Pudding People to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Richard Geiger, Ken Seymour. And Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Hanukkah, celebrations, holiday seasons to everybody. Yeah, definitely so. This is our final episode of the year. We are as excited as we can be in the wee hours of the evening. <laughs> yes, uh, closing in on the end of a, a rough year. Either the one by one pretty quick, right? Yeah, I don't feel like it went by that quick. I felt like it was a struggle. <laughs> like it just dragged on. Well, you know, just uh, some of the things that happened made it made it feel like it took longer, and then some of the people that we lost were just painful to lose. Uh, you know, we talked about at the very beginning of our podcast, the whole reason we started it was because we lost somebody that that was important, you know, in a, at least in a peripheral way to both of us, had, had impacted our lives. Although... That's 100% true. Yeah. But we're not going to start at the, the depressing part with this episode. We're going to end with it, so... <laughs> Yeah, be prepared. <laughs> but you know, the whole idea of this is to uh, talk about what happened this year. Now, obviously, we're not going to talk about everything about what happened. There's a lot of politics that happened. We don't talk about that. Yuck. Uh, we like to keep it in with fun stuff, and especially if the fun stuff is to do with you know movies and television shows, especially comic movies and television shows. And lordy, 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 there were a bunch this year. There, there were. I felt like the maybe the industry caught up a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So the production was more in full swing. There was more things that were visible. That that doesn't mean there was more quality. Definitely, the quantity was available. So, just kind of depends on your perspective. Yeah, definitely. The uh, there were ten live action films uh, based on American comics and comic books. Uh, And then two large animated live action films or not live action, but animated uh, uh, released in the theaters style films that were based on comics this year. So, you know, not too terribly shabby. And we talked about most of them. We talked about Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. We did a review on that one. Yeah, we did. Uh, we still need to talk or next week, uh, as long as everything goes smoothly. <laughs> we're going to be reviewing Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Uh, did you know that in India they released an Archie's film? <laughs> oh, please, gosh, no. <laughs> they absolutely did. Uh, haven't oh, seen well. it because, uh, you know, released in India, but it's is, is definitely on an American comic. Was it? Well, I guess it's... It's animated, so you could do it however you wanted to do it. But right. I'm wondering, was it originally in English, and then they dubbed it into a different language? I don't know. Versa? I really want to find out because I saw some of the stills from it. It just looks like a group of five people standing there. <laughs> it looks like it has the potential to be so bad. Uh, it's it's very tempting to see that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We got the Blue Beetle film that came out. Yeah. Do you do you think is it possible? Was that 
the best of the year? Um, no, I don't think well, so. Live action. Uh, best live action film? No, I don't think so. Um, I think I like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 better. Yeah, that was fair. Um, and the um, Extraction 2 was pretty solid. Yes, that was very fun. I did enjoy that one. Yeah. So both of those were good. I thought Blue Beetle was somewhere around Shazam Fear of the Gods level. Um, and that was that was pretty fun. Um, and, of course, we had the train wreck that was the Flash. Uh, I've I've tried, I I have tried to watch that again <laughs> at home, and I I want to say over maybe five days worth of watching it I'm a I'm about halfway maybe two thirds of the way through it it's, I can I it can just only progress so far it's hard it's really hard to get through that film. Uh, the Marvels, of course, which we just reviewed recently, which I thought was pretty okay. Um, but then, of course, in the animated side of things, they released Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. I still haven't seen that. Need to see it. It had such a good voice cast. I'm kind of curious. Um, I do believe you have, you have Paramount Plus, right? I do. I do believe it's on that streaming service, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to have to give that, give that a shot. That just seemed like it was a lot of fun. And, of course, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, now, if you include animated films into all of the comic book films, that one was probably the winner for the year. Sure. But if you think about that discussion that we had for some of those theater-release live-action films... And we're talking, we're, we're talking about, well, the Marvels might have been the best one. Or, you know, um, Guardians 3. You know, Guardians 3 was, was fine. Yeah. It's just that none of them had the pop. No. Nothing so, that was a surprise that really go, wow, that makes me want to watch comic book films related to this for the next 10 years. <laughs> or even next yeah. year. And, and, and I think we saw that. We think we saw that a bit with the like at the Disney Plus releases uh, because those TV shows were just well, not the best. Some were good. some were bad, but some were pretty good. Yeah, and they even addressed it too uh, in that they're going to shift the focus to um, quality over quantity. Right. Which hey, I, I'm okay with. Um, because I, I think we're hitting a lull. We're hitting a big lull with that stuff, and a lot of the attention is going away from it. So we need to something. We need something to draw the attention back. And of course, we're ending the year with the new What If season two series, which thus far I am really enjoying. Though we're going to review that in a separate separate episode. Yeah, I think we're not. The, the whole season isn't released as of this recording. No but there's a good chunk of them to watch. And I've watched a few of them myself. Um, and it's definitely, when you think about these, I think the element that comes into play is fun. And that's the whole point of it. Right. Um, if you do an animated thing right, you can you can have more fun with them. Definitely so. So as a year goes, I mean, we've, we've talked about this multiple times where I'm sure next year we're going to do the history of <laughs> comics and film 2023 because we got to stay current it'll be the last uh last one where we actually go over that for, mm -hmm. for this year's worth of stuff but uh it it had like you said it had quantity it just 
didn't uh, do so well. Maybe it was partially because of um, just too many films based on comics, the wrong people in charge. Maybe it was to do with that strike that happened. Yeah, could be. But um, as we saw before the strike, there was anticipation, there was buildup. James Gunn was done with Marvel. Now he's moved on to DC. They've put a cast together for um, a new Superman movie. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're not going to see those things now for quite some time uh, because of the strike. Now, primarily the writer's strike is what's going to push a lot of that a lot of that material back, uh, but you couldn't do the, uh, the appropriate hiring either because of the actor's strike. Yeah, that, that had a major impact this last year, and it dominated a lot of the, the television coverage and, and a lot of the media coverage, which makes sense because everybody goes, we want to watch stuff, and there's nothing here. Why is there nothing here? And in, 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 in a slightly related scenario, too, uh, there were some movies, so the, the, the Marvels is a great example, where that came out. It was already done. Things were ready to go for it. But with the strike occurring, there, were, there was little to no press activity. Like, they, they didn't go place to place promoting their movie because they're on strike. So there was, there was very little hype, excitement, push for that movie. And I, I don't know if the hype would have pushed the box office numbers higher, maybe. But it, it certainly didn't help that no one was going on talk shows. No one was putting their face out there to really promote their product. You may have even notice that with our particular podcast because we often have some very interesting people to talk to that are actors and producers and directors. And there was a certain chunk of time where we just didn't have a bunch of them. And that was on purpose. I'm not going to go digging around trying to uh, find some cool people to talk to when they have other things that they have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what that did? What that did produce, it gave us some time to churn through some years of our uh, comic TV reviews. Absolutely. And if you haven't listened to those at this point, there's quite a bit of it. It's just meant to be just as a, a quick retrospective of, did you watch this when you were young? Did you know this existed? You should take a look at this. Uh, is this something that we would have loved or that we did love? And then most of, well, not most of it, but a good chunk of it is us just kind of shrugging our shoulders like, I don't remember this. <laughs> what is this? Well, it's probably the, you know, 30, 40 Archie productions. Throwing <laughs> <laughs> about, you know, 20 uh, Garfields. Garfield's fine, though. Yeah. Um, some Heathcliff. And it's just like very repetitive stretch of <laughs> them pushing some shows that were, just not that good. Successful. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So the writer strike will hopefully, I mean, it, uh, and the actor strike will hopefully produce some, some better equity for, for the working actors that just don't get those big paychecks that uh, still need to be able to make money so that we can kind of have the things that we want to enjoy. And maybe, you know, just maybe some of the, the, the super rich that control everything will let go of a, <laughs> A few bucks so that we can have something to enjoy. Yeah, I, I and there there's a balance with that, but ultimately, um, the people making the money are just going to pass that down to the consumer. Um, yeah, a good bit of info. Like there are how many people who have an Amazon account, right? 
And what are we going to see starting, I think, the end of January? Ads yeah. for your Amazon video. So that's that's a sad thing. That was just announced within the last couple of days of us recording this. Yeah, it's, it's let us say, frustrating, to say the least. And uh, the last thing I want is to see more ads. And I understand what it is. I mean, uh, we were just talking about this the other day off of, off of uh, recording, talking about large uh, tech companies, very specific, tech, <laughs> very specific tech companies that uh, are just they hit they've hit the ceiling. There is no more growth. There's no more growth, and all investment and big money making stuff is based off of that reporting of growth that can't happen. So they have to try and invent something, do something, push something make stupid decisions, uh, require their employees to sell just horrible products or, or, or potentially, uh, you know, offer things in ways that are maybe not the most uh, ethical. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and once again, that gets passed down to the consumer, right? Yeah. So it, we, we've already seen it with other things in general, but all of the, all of the promise that the streaming services had, you know, five plus years ago when the, when it was the old cut the cable, cut the cord type thing, yeah. the promise for those in terms of, you know, m not necessarily money savings, but money value and content, um, you know, all those streaming services have just almost doubled in price, right? Right. Doubled in price with ads so you're not getting and you're not necessarily getting better content you're getting more i suppose uh but once again all of the all of the stuff is just filtering down to us the consumer so it'll be interesting to see what the production value level quality quantity is for the foreseeable future well and that's that's exactly what we're talking about there these these companies that spun off into having these streaming services that lured us in with the low prices. They could do that because at that point they just created or jumped into an industry where there was growth. Oh, we don't have to make a ton of money with the service. We'll do it off of stock prices and things like that because we're constantly adding subscribers. And then, well, we've hit the peak because not everybody can have all 17 different streaming services. You have to pick and choose. And it's uh, and you know you max out. It's like, oh well, we've we've hit our wall. There's no more growth. Let's increase prices and do ads. Oh, great! <laughs> Screw yeah. you two. Uh, yep. And you know that if you think about it, some of these, some of these things. So the 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 Amazon one, where you have an annual subscription, gets you so much, and it's not like Amazon's hard up for money, right? You know, no. we know Amazon doesn't make their money off of shipping you a pair of socks. They make it off of other services and products, but um, you know it's a, it's a big change when a when a Disney Plus subscription's eighteen bucks a month, um, Netflix subscription if you don't want to have ads is eighteen bucks a month. Um, About the it, same it, for an HBO. Yeah, and 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 I get it. It it costs money to make like. Things that are strictly suited for that. If you're going to be Netflix and you're going to roll out movies and TV shows constantly, it ain't cheap. No. 
I, I, I get it. Um, but, but, but there's gotta, there's gotta be a balance in those services. If you're going to say, we'll charge $18 and you can only have it on one IP address, <laughs> you know, and, and you, 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 you pigeonhole a good portion of your community. So I think, I think we'll see, I think we'll see some changes in 2024 and 2025 related to the strike because a lot of the residuals, a lot of the ways that those actors and actresses get paid uh, needs to be re reevaluated and hopefully was in terms of their agreements that were, were signed upon because it wasn't just, you know, a couple people sitting in a room, everybody had to, had to put some input and, and put a vote on it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, hopefully it'll be some good. We've we've had the, the luck to speak with some some very talented individuals and you know, you always want you you, know, you want them to get paid. You want them to be able to live comfortably. I would love to see just a, a breakdown, a numerical breakdown. I want to see where this money is actually going. Because I feel like there's there's some, I don't want to say creative accounting, but I feel like there is some some intentional blind spots that we, the end consumers, don't see. I mean, things that we know is, okay, the actor's got to get paid, the crew's got to get paid, you know, there's going to be set costs, there's the time, there's the food, you know, CGI and all that sort of stuff. But even with all that, something feels off. Something seems missing. Well, I, I think the big thing that you saw, and and it happened with the music industry first, right? Mm -hmm. Was when you were when we grew up in the '90s, they made money because we bought albums. Yes, and they would sell a million, two million, five million, and, and that was how artists made their money. They made a little bit from um, radio services, and they made some from touring. Um, if you're really, really, really strong, you made some off of merch sales. But really, album sales were were your bread and butter. Album sales aren't a thing anymore, right? Yeah. You you make like a a penny for every thousand streams that you got uh, off of all these services. So the music industry had to adjust, and even they haven't made all of their adjustments. But really, the money making now is going on tour, right? Oh yeah. You know, a good artist, you're going to pay hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks to go to a medium venue to watch these artists perform, and it. It's like going to a movie and you know you're going to buy popcorn that's 20 bucks a bucket. If you go to these venues and you're a true fan of the artist, there's a good chance you're going to buy a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, and you're going to overpay for that thing. But in theory, you know that the artist is going to get some of that money. It's, yeah. it's kind of like, to, to me, it's kind of like an expectation. So that's how they truly um, make their money. Now, how does that work from a movie standpoint and a TV standpoint? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> right? That that, that I think that's going to be the interesting twist that's going to that's going to change from these strikes that we saw. Um, how is the back end compensation going to work? We know how the front end works. We'll pay you a million bucks if you make this movie. Cool. Well, what happens when people watch this a thousand times five years from now? You know, like if if they're going to write different residual things into the contracts. Uh, because when Seinfeld goes on syndication, that whole crew, the whole cast is making bank off of that stuff, right? Well, certain certain members of the cast are anyway. Certain members, uh, one member and one writer, uh, creator in particular. <laughs> 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 but near billionaires at this point. 
incredible to me, um, you know, going into that media sidestepping here. Um, it, it's interesting. And I, I mentioned before that Max is my favorite streaming mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. And they still have a lot of classic shows. They're creating a lot of original content. It, it's interesting that they rebranded themselves in this past year as Max. Twice they've rebranded. Um, Max. Everybody, it's it's like if you're going to pull up your phone and you're going to pull up X. You know, and nobody calls it X, they call it Twitter. No. Right? I, I, I still find myself calling it HBO. Or right. maybe HBO Max, not Max. Yeah. No, I'm never going to call it Max. It's, it's just stupid. Just like you said, it, Twitter is Twitter. You can try and call it X all you want. But I'm sorry, Elon. In many ways, you are a profound moron. And this is just one of those ways. Yep. Um, but uh, speaking of Seinfeld, Max, all those things, we're going to have one more season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and then it's finally coming to an end. Yeah, I know. That's 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 amazing, the longevity that that show has had. Um, yeah. If you, if you liked Seinfeld, you'd like that show. And I get why people don't like it, because of its absurdity, but... It, it, that just cracks me up. So that was another thing processed from this past year, too. Uh, the final season is announced, ready to go, I think, next year, fairly soon. And then no more Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of will fade away like so many other people did this last year. Uh, not a great segue. Um, <laughs> I understand where you were going with it, but uh, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know about fade because the, a lot of these people that we'll discuss here, their their art lives on. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and that's that's how you don't necessarily fade. It's just you. Maybe that you lose them for your for, from your forethought, and then you revisit something six months from now. And you're like, gosh darn it! I, I wish that person could have made more of what other thing is. You know? Yeah. The thing that gets me, I know we're we're becoming older, and I've I've been warned about this. You know, when I was young, it's like you know, when you get older, people it seems like start dying faster and faster, and it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how life works. So I never really thought about it. It's like, yeah, that's that's obvious, but now living through it, now that I've had enough time to be able to experience the joy. Uh, of the things that these people have created and made and done, and you know, you know, each year you just get exposed to more. It means that there's just more potential people that are going to be gone. Uh, yeah, thing. and you know, it, it's easy, it's easy to to think about some of these things. Um, you know, you 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 keep you get reminders if you watch videos. Now, some people are do TikTok and they'll do YouTube Shorts or whatever the little short videos are, but um, you see ones here a little bit recently, like gentle reminder, this, this song is 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> it's a song. It's a song that we grew up with. Uh, that was one of, from a, one of our favorite artists in the nineties. And like, uh, Oh my gosh, it is 30 years old. So if the song is 30 years old, how old were the artists when they created those right. songs, you know, so now our favorite artists are getting into their 60s, uh, maybe 70s, and 
if you haven't gotten the chance, it, it's it's like when we talked about our our favorite one of our favorite artists long ago with with our podcast. If it is an artist that performs in on a stage, or in a TV show, or whatever it is, but particularly uh, performing music, did you get a chance to see that artist live? Right, and that was one of the things I thought about. I was like, I never got to see. I never got to see Soundgarden perform live. I saw Audio Slave, so I, I got a portion of that. But yeah. I, it's something that you will never—it's you, you, never going to happen again. Like you're, you're never going to be able to see them. Yeah, and and that's—I think that's what I think about when we see some of the musicians that pass away. Yeah, and maybe we'll start there. I mean, when I was putting this list together, I, I tried to just the sheer number of people that fall into the quote unquote celebrity category or, you know, just impactful individuals that have died, that die in any given year is just, just massive. If you really want to, if you really want to kind of see what that is between everybody, like, you know, I'm talking about politicians, musicians, actors, artists, you know, whatever, just take a quick gander in Wikipedia. They have a breakdown of everyone noteworthy that ha- has died, and they can do it. You break it down by year. When you pull it up by year, you then have to pull it up by month. And by month, mm-hmm. it's going to be by day. And each day is going to have like 40 or 50 people on it. So be ready to just dig, 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 and be sad and then not get very far. <laughs> It's, well, it's amazing to think that someone has sat there and collected all that information. Yeah. And that, that technically to you and me, it's free. Well, only uh, for a donation of 275 you can help support Wikipedia. Yes, it, it, precisely. Um, gentle reminder every single time you click anything on the entire website. Um, but, but to have that server space, to have that manpower... You're you're right. Those those things just from our end, yeah. We're 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 not selfish. No, that's not it. But from our end, we maybe we appreciate those things, but we don't appreciate the effort that goes into them. When there's that much information and data about it, and you have to have a link for that person and what they did, it's it's crazy to me to think that, like I said, someone sits there and collects and puts that information in. Well, the nice thing about Wikipedia is it's if it's open to other people to contribute, the hard mm-hmm. part isn't that it's the verification. <laughs> yes. And yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's I forgot the, about that part too. Which... Yeah. So, cause there's a lot of stuff that's on there that is not accurate and they do their best to try and keep that out of there. So, you know what I actually did? I donated to Wikipedia. I have before. I'm going to do it again because I think it's a useful tool and I don't mind spending a couple bucks every once in a while to to have such a, a nice tool you know that that seems fair to me yeah and it's it's not like there's what a billion people that probably traffic through it all the time no and you get a small tiny portion of that to throw in a couple bucks that's going to fund it for quite some time but when the funding goes out the cost for the server space is going to go away and then the website disappears so exactly so that's ultimately what could happen. Well, let's start with some music. I, yeah, like I said, I, I did some prep on this. I probably didn't catch all the ones that uh, my esteemed uh, co-host <laughs> might have put on, but 
there are, are quite a few musicians in this list that died this last year that just made some killer music. I know for sure I left a bunch behind. It's like, oh, uh, you know, Gordon Lightfoot. I didn't put him on this list. Big artist. I mean, if you don't know who Gordon Lightfoot is, you know, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, you know, just all sorts of good music, but, you know, didn't have as big impact on me. He had impact on people that had impact on me, sort of a thing. Yep. But uh, so, like, uh, how about uh, Colin Burgess, drummer for ACDC? Ooh. Unaware. Right? And there's, there's, there's several of these that I just go, that person died? When did that happen? Uh, but, you know, ACDC, you know, just kind of killer rock and roll. You don't think about that. You think about the guitars, think about the lead singer. But he's not the only drummer to have died this year. You know, Foo Fighters lost their drummer earlier this year. Uh, Yeah, they were in what, Argentina, Brazil. They were in South America somewhere, right? Yeah, and he was he was amazing just as a drummer. Just dude was so good. And seeing the tribute uh, that they had his son sit in, mm-hmm. and it was just that that about made me cry right there. It was that was that was rough. Well, I, I, I think in in the, the position for the Foo Fighters, when the person who created the band, let, let's be honest, on his own, right, the first album he made and did all the music on his own, was arguably for his generation one of the best drummers, right? One of the best rock drummers, grunge drum, like one of the best drummers and musicians, period. And now you got to go play drums for that person. That's a hard position to be in. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. If you listen to him, he never considered himself much of a drummer. Um, you know, musician, sure. But uh, it, it's really entertaining to listen to his interviews and <laughs> – and kind of see how humble he is on uh, on how he does things. But I'm sorry, his his beats in Nirvana, and then then listening to the stuff that he wrote for Foo Fighters that they it, like you said is generation defining. It's just amazing stuff. So to lose to lose a drummer that was able to not only pick up and do what he laid down, but then also put his own spin on the mm-hmm. music and be such a good live performer and, you know, clearly just was very loved. And that's rough. I think the Foo Fighters band as a whole, so I, I think every band member is intricate, but Taylor Hawkins had a good rapport with the band. The, the band itself has a good core relationship anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, they've they've found someone to step in. Uh, you, you can never replace, fully replace right? Yeah. That's a, that's not how that works. But they've got someone in there now to try to fill in the shoes of the you know a missing core piece. Yeah, create create a new version of the band, basically. Yep. Um, now, one of the first bands that I became really enamored with when I was a kid was the Moody Blues, and we lost uh, Denny Lane this year, one of the co-founders of the Moody Blues. Uh, you know, uh, Wildest Dreams, uh, In Your Wildest Dreams was just a song that just stuck in my head forever uh, and ever. It's not often the one that everybody thinks of for the Moody Blues, but, you know, when I was a kid, 
that was the song that was playing on the radio waves and keyed me into how cool of a band they were in the first place, and that got me to listen to their older stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was uh, that was unfortunate. Were you ever a Moody Blues fan? Um, so I, I I can never say that I owned any of their albums, and it, in terms of their songs, if you played the songs, I would recognize them. But right. the thing about that is, I wouldn't be able to say, "Oh, that's from the Moody Blues." I, I would know their songs though, but like their their core popular ones. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, I'm 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 just a smidgen older than than the nice uh, <laughs> nice Mister Richard here, so I, I may have a slight. Uh, plus, my dad brought me up on older music to begin with, mm-hmm. so you know when I was listening to music, you know, growing up in the '80s, I was listening to music from the '60s and the '70s, and some from the '50s. So it, I got kind of a different um, introduction. I had some of that as well. Um, unfortunately, there was a lot of country music in there, you know. Yeah, little, I had that too. Little Randy Travis, uh, things like that, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Even from a younger age, uh, I could tell that I did not want to listen to that stuff whatsoever. Um, however, a lot of times when we had the opportunity to listen to music, um, at the time, right, it was just we had radio stations, all right? We're old, and we had to listen to the three radio stations that were in our area, and one of them was all the pop music, which was just gross, although now that you listen to this stuff 40 years later, like, it just sticks in your brain, but there was uh, the Super Gold, mm-hmm. right? So the Super Gold was kind of played across multiple platforms, multiple stations. So I, d- I definitely did listen to that quite a bit on, you know, like Saturday nights. And so I did get a lot of that type of music um, just in small doses. That I really, that was my favorite of, of the music when I was really like younger. I love listening to that um, late at night on a Saturday night. How about this one? Uh, if I, I, I'm going to say the name. I'm going to see if you know the band. George Brown. No. She's a brick house. Yes, I do know that song. Cool in the gang. Cool in the gang. Okay. Yeah. Lost him this last year. A lot of great, a lot of great funk, a lot of great music from that group. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that I got introduced to those those songs a little bit later, but man, just that was a, that was a big thing for me. Um, okay, how about this? Steve Hartwell. I've about said Hartwell. Harwell. Steve Hartwell. I've definitely heard the name before. Did you hear it when you were walking on the sun? That's supposed to be a hint. Yes, it is. It's not processing. <laughs> Smash Mouth. Oh, yeah. That's why it sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. So that, talking about stuff that was from our time period, mm-hmm. that's right in there. And, you know, it's one of those things, like, I wasn't the hugest Smash Mouth fan, but you could not get away from their music. It was freaking everywhere. 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 It's, it's. I mean, to an extent, it extended the everywhere years and decades afterwards because, they really opened up their songs to marketing, right? Yeah, so they, they did. There was commercials and ballparks and, you know, like you name it, they had their core songs out there. So yeah. they, they were able to get residual money as their 
as they progressed. So good for them. So, you know, no, not one of those things that just hurt, but it's just like, oh, oh, that was from my time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that hurt uh, was the son of a son of a sailor himself, uh, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy. Oh, that's right. Jimmy Buffett. That was earlier this year. That one hurt. We used to, and this has nothing to do with really anything. We used to have a uh, Margaritaville. Yes, we did. Town. And there was a Margaritaville in in the Chicago area. And actually, they had really good sweet potato fries. That's so random. But mm. the restaurant was a fun restaurant. Um, and they disappeared. Now, if you head to different spots in Florida, there are actually Margaritavilles, kind of not restaurants, but like whole, whole living or like sections. I don't mm-hmm. know what I know what you call them. Like a whole neighborhood that is Margarita Parrot Parrothead communities. Yeah, the he's and of course you can still find restaurants like in Universal Studios. He's still got mm-hmm. a restaurant, things like that. But you know that. My my musical interests and my dad's did not overlap tremendously. I mean, they did a little bit, but that was one area that he he brought me up on Jimmy Buffett, and that was one that did stick. It's like, yeah, this guy is this guy's got it, and it just some of his songs were just fun, and some of them were really touching, and you know just. He could, he could, he could get you, and I, I, yeah, that one, that one hurts. Yeah, he had a mood for sure, and he had a style, and if you, if it, it just lasted, right? So mm-hmm. his music, even though he, he wasn't out there, maybe creating album upon album upon album, he was touring, right? So he was still out there. Uh, showcasing his talents, and and you're right. There's a lot of people when he goes on tour, they'll just go with him all across the country because mm-hmm. he, he's got that type of charisma and following. Yeah, you know, big producer. We lost this last year in the form of Clarence Avant, produced like Snoop Dogg and a bunch of uh, uh, R&B and rap artists that over over the years. That was that was unfortunate. Um, I found out one I did not know died. You know how it's like, oh, I didn't know that person died. And this one was just super surprising to me. I don't, I don't know how I missed this. Uh, Magoo from Timbaland and Magoo. From Timbaland, yeah. Interesting. Dead at 50. He was not he, that old. Nope. They were a good well, – so Timbaland is a really great producer. Yes. Right? So – uh, besides being a, a, an artist and a good uh, pair with Timbaland and Magoo, great producer. So I'm sure um, Magoo had some input on a lot of those things as well. Yeah, he. Uh, if you listen to those albums, there weren't a ton of them that he put out, that they put out, like two or three. Yeah. But he had a very signature sound. You, d- you didn't get a lot of rappers that had that kind of a nasal quality to what they put in which sounds like it shouldn't work, but it did, and I'm sure it did pr- uh, primarily because Timbaland knew what he was doing and, and yeah. mixing things down. But uh, oh man, I always loved listening to anything from them. Uh, but if you're not, say, a rap fan, if you're not even a music fan, you can't have missed that we lost Tina Turner. Yep, that happened uh, what in the. Sp- Springtime, maybe? Yeah. Early summer? 
yeah. swing time? That one, uh, that one was a hard one because she was just, she was, she was gold. Basically, anything she did was just gold. Well, and and obviously she had a a history in terms of where she came from, where she was able to go, um, and. Of course, she's a great artist all throughout many decades. Honestly, like a, a you know, one of those S tier artists. Oh yeah. Uh, that that produced. Uh, but honestly, one of the things that I remember her from is um, Beyond Thunderdome. Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> that I knew you were going there. That sounds really foolish to think of this superior artist. Uh, <laughs> the, the movie that they were in. But you, you couldn't, you couldn't have gotten a, like a bigger, a bigger celebrity right. to play that. Just I, I, we, we've talked, I, I, we've talked about these movies briefly in, in previous episodes before. Uh, but she, that movie is great. It's one of those great, just eighties, you know, silly, fun, foolish. And she was over the top in it in just over the right the way. Top. Yeah, yeah, great. You know, um, just the Thunderdome itself, where you have to like bounce around on strings and swing chainsaws. I mean, it's just the, the movie's foolish, but she was great in the movie. Yeah, she and, was. Um, of course, her music's awesome, but if there's going to be other memories, because maybe people didn't listen to her music, but maybe they saw that one. Yeah. Um, speaking of movies, this next one, I remember his music specifically for a specific film where his song was at the very end of it. And that was Beetlejuice. Um, you know, you shake, 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 Tenora, shake your body line. Harry Belafonte, we lost this last year. Um, and you know, that's that he had so much good, good music. And, and uh, just always really kind of, well, not always upbeat, but his upbeat stuff was really upbeat. <laughs> now, I thought you were talking about uh, another artist who is in multiple movies and had a song that was at the end of a movie. Oh, which one is that? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bert Bacharach. Yep, <laughs> I was coming up on that. <laughs> that was my that was my segue that I was going to have. It's a good choice you made there. Yes, yeah. I, I uh, Once again... I don't know that I would necessarily have ever known him as an artist until uh, he was featured in Austin Powers. Well, I, I couldn't get a rain, uh, ra- get away from raindrops keep falling on my head. That that followed me everywhere when I was younger. Oh, that's a great song. Like, uh, and you know, especially in today's world, what the world needs now is love. That's right. You know, so he he's got a, a classic sound and vibe to him for sure. And, um, well, this is music adjacent. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley died. Eh, didn't really have an effect on me one way or the other, but, you know, related uh, to the king. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that would affect a generation. Right. Because, uh, you know, even, let's see, my my wife's mother, her favorite artist of all time is Elvis. So it, it's... It, it it's hard to state the popularity of somebody. Um, you know, we think about the Beatles from like the sixties, but it was Elvis, you know, before that yeah. who was truly the king. Um, well, 
there's one more that I had that was pure music that that was on my list, and that was uh, David Crosby. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, that one. That one was. Uh, you know, it didn't exactly hurt, but he he was part of just some freaking stellar music back in the seventies yeah. and eighties. Just uh, just great stuff. But um, yeah. Um, well, let's transition to a different category of people that we lost because, you know, we got a million of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this one could be actually in music because he definitely did music, but he's more known for his comedy and um, acting and television appearances. Are you familiar with, with the Smothers Brothers? Yes. Um, now, in terms of randomness, uh, I watched quite a bit of uh, Newhart when I grew up, and they made some appearances every once and again on uh, Newhart. Yeah, Tom Smothers uh, lost not too long ago. I I was a fanatical. Uh, okay, let me rephrase. That. I won't. I won't say I was a fanatical yo-yoer. I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I tried and was not great at it. I was kind of okay, but. Watching Smothers Brothers with uh, you know Tom with a, a yo-yo, geez, oh Pete, he was good. Yeah, it's it. The Smothers Brothers were an act all their own, right? But the yo-yo was just an oddball thing to be in there that was not readily seen. No, and, and of course, just killer at it. Yeah, we we lost a lot of uh, a lot of actors, a lot of. A lot of um, producers. I mean, obviously, just recently we lost Andre Brower. He was, you know, Brooklyn Nine Nine and uh, you know Homicide. But dude was just super, super talented. Yeah, he was in a in a lot of a lot of things. He had a he had a voice that just kind of, you know, like very recognizable. Oh yeah, he could do serious and he could do funny, and it didn't matter. And he had just an amazing range that he was lost way too soon. We lost Norman Lear just recently, producer of you know shows like uh, All in the Family, The Jeffersons, One Day at a Time, mm-hmm. you know, just philanthropist, you know, just that was that was a big one. Um, we lost um, obviously Matthew Perry, not too long ago. That one, yeah. Hurt. That I mean, I don't know too many people that didn't just absolutely absolutely love him, and it's just after his struggle with addiction that he seem to have conquered to then go out so soon seeing that happen over and over again is just is rough well and you know the our age generation um you know i said uh my one of my favorite shows was seinfeld and i still argued to this day there would be no friends without seinfeld but that's a different story it was in that block right, right? so our, our age group grew up with the friends cast all, all of those actors, actresses. Um, so Friends has made a resurgence now, right? Because it showed up on, was it, it was on Netflix for a while. Yeah. Right. And then it's now on Max. But there was a, was it the, was it the pandemic era? Oh, yeah. It really kind of like blew up and people were just really consuming mass quantities of Friends. So that whole, that whole vibe had a real big resurgence recently. So I'm sure a lot of people felt his impact, not just our age group. Uh, Richard Mull, obviously, we lost him. Bull from Night Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in uh, one movie for uh, um, 
Uh-oh, having, having a mental moment. Uh, he was in a film, uh, Highlander, the Highlander film. Yes, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was in a side of a movie I love from being a kid called Sidekicks. He, he was played like the gym, gym coach or the gym teacher, I should say, uh, in that. And that was just great because he also got to be in the, the kids' imaginary dreams as, you know, terrorists and, <laughs> and awful oh, yeah. military guys. Oh, so much fun. He was in that movie in the 1980s called House where he got to play a ghost. That was so good. Uh, but uh, Richard Roundtree, we lost. Another just oh. great actor. If you know him yeah. from what, what Men Want, Seven. I always think of him from The Distinguished Gentleman because he just had he had that, that – I can't even reproduce that low voice that he had, just had that, 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 that resonance. Yep, yep. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you're going through month to month and, and item to item, uh, but Michael Gambone. Oh, yeah. Play. Um, so I know we don't talk a whole lot about Harry Potter stuff, and that's what most people might know him for. Um uh, the sequel, yeah, the Dumbledore sequel, right? Yeah, now so we've lost lost both Dumbledores. We've lost both of them, um, and I, I think those movies, those movies are bigger than we can, I think, really fully visualize, um, because because those really kind of kickstarted when we were still, you know, a long time ago when we were still younger, like they were in the movie theaters when I was working in the movie theaters, um, in, in the college ages. But my, my niece who is 17 is addicted to those movies, like loves those, they're like some of her favorite movies. So it, it still, it just keeps going and going and it's, it, it accommodates all age groups. Um, so people, people, a lot of people would recognize uh, that loss for sure. A uh, couple '80s icons that we lost in uh, Suzanne Summers and Bob Barker. Uh, yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but game shows are always they're they're still big to this day. But when we were growing up during during daytime television, right? The the price is right was a big deal. Like yeah. that, that's what you occupied an hour of your day with. It was the show. Uh, it was the show. And just to see the evolution of that now, but the the excitement that, that came from that. I mean, so much so that one of his, once again for our generation, uh, biggest appearances uh, was him in an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Like that, that's just crazy to me. Um, so he, he was a bigger... He was a bigger star, I think, than what most people honestly realize. Um, everybody knew who he was. And, and everybody knew to have your pet spayed or neutered. That's right. Like, that, that was, that he said that after, at the end of every episode that he recorded of that show. And that sounds silly that a line like that sticks in your, in your mind, but that, that was one of one of his things and his rapport with each of the guests that came up. They love, like people love, loved Bob Barker. Yeah. Like loved wanted Bob to Barker. give him a hug every time. Mm -hmm. Um, we lost Arlene Sorkin voice for Harley Quinn. That's true. Yes. Um, 
If you're a wrestling fan, we lost both Terry Funk and the Iron Sheik and Bray Wyatt this last year. So two of them were older, so it kind of made sense, uh, you know. But Bray Wyatt was just a young man. He 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 went way too soon. Um, Mark Margolis, are you familiar with that name? It sounds very familiar. Well, it should be because Mr. Margolis was uh, in one of your favorite shows that it involved a, a teacher that made methamphetamines. And uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, by the way, I've never seen that. Oh, I thought I thought you I thought you loved that film or that show. I, I'm sorry, but he had such a prominent role in that film, and I yep, still I, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> now that now that you mentioned that show, I know exactly who you're talking about. But he'd been in a ton of stuff other than that. That's just kind of a you know he is in one of your favorites in the sense that he's in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> yes, he he is the uh, he is the landlord. Ventura. <laughs> Oh, man, I always loved him. He had just a, a way of doing things. Um, oh, you know what? I, I forgot a couple of music people because of the cropping on my on my screen. <laughs> we forgot Sinead O'Connor and Tony Bennett. And Tony Bennett, yep. I I, I figured we'd have a quick recap maybe of a, a few that we didn't discuss too much. Yeah. But uh, I think if you were growing up in our age, you would, you would know some of Sinead's songs, but maybe the biggest – quote stink that she made was when she was on snl and ripped, ripped up, up the picture pope. of the pope yeah that was yeah i actually uh that took some guts right there because you knew you were going to get just death threats and oh just awful and, and i i was pretty because i only had you know like five stations uh so i read i'm fairly certain i saw that live and I was just like I didn't know I didn't know I was like what is she like what is she doing like <laughs> okay you know yeah, whatever I didn't know such a big stink at the time. Uh, speaking of Arkins, we lost Alan Arkin this last year. Mm. Uh, he was in freaking everything. Uh, we lost Treat Williams, who was in everything if it was a B movie. If it was a B movie, <laughs> yep. Um, we uh, lost Jerry Springer. Um, uh, Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick. Um, maybe people would know him from more recently from the John Wick movies. Yeah. Um, Jerry Jerry Springer. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there's 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 extra with Jerry Springer. So he was was he not the mayor? He was the mayor of Cincinnati. Yeah. Right. Um, and when his show is early on and it's in its kind of growing infancies. Uh, they had one of the best guests of all time on them. Oh, um, you can look it up. Guar was a guest on Jerry Springer earlier oh. on in, the, in the show. You so. know, considering what I thought of that show, that actually fits. It fits perfectly. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> we lost. Uh, we lost uh, Tom Sizemore. Um, Saving Private Ryan. You know. Uh, Bill. Yeah, Richard Belzer we lost, uh, Law & Order, SVU. Law, Law & yeah, Order, yeah. yeah. We uh, you know, lost uh, Raquel Welch, who was on uh, uh, a poster on a, 
<laughs> in a prison cell uh, covering a giant hole. <laughs> yes. And, okay. So I, I, I think you know for for our age, you know, when Raquel Welch was in her her prime, that was that was still pre our age. Group. Yes, very much. But Raquel Welch was what I would call for her t- her prime time. She was it. She was the bee's knees of yeah. of the time. She was the 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 primo, um, the primo woman that you wanted to um, see here uh, interact with. All right. If you're a foot uh, a football fan, Jim Brown passed away this past year. You know, one of the best running backs uh, of all time. Uh, now, for me, being a comic book fan, John Romita died this last year, and his. He he was so influential in comic books. Just had some, that's a big name in comic books. I don't know names in comic books. Yeah, he he was amazing, and I that one that one really really hurt. Um, uh, the Keith Giffen we also lost. Now Keith, you may not be as can you know can as familiar with, but we just did a review this last year on a film off a character he created. And that was the Blue Beetle. He he did the newer version of the Blue Beetle, okay. Um, as well as creating uh, characters like Rocket Raccoon. Oh, wow. the fun ones. Yeah. So I mean, this this dude was, uh, um, yeah, super super talented in his own right. So I mean, uh, and like I said, I'm I'm leaving so many people out, but we're starting to run <laughs> run towards the end. Or is there anybody that you know of that? that I should have mentioned that I forgot to mention. Well, I, I wanted to, just for those who hear the names, what did Ramita do? What, what was he? Was he a, was he a Spider-Man? Yeah, think Spider-Man, Daredevil, uh, that sort of thing. His style, if you looked at it, it, it sometimes felt a little blocky because it was really, really different for the way that he put in his, his line art. Everybody just felt bigger than life, and you cannot miss. You cannot um, not recognize it. Once you see his art style, you'll recognize it anywhere else that you see it. Gotcha. Yeah, I, and he, you said he did Daredevil as well, so he's he's been some of the big, like the big heavy hitters for a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you... Like I said, if you're like, I mean, this is, we're talking about the early days of the Silver Age of comics. That's John Romita right there. Gotcha. Um, No, I didn't. We hit the highlights. I was hoping to get a a little Springer nod in there. So we we got, we got Jerry. Yeah. That, once again, going back to not having a lot of cable access, um, Jerry's show was big on, you know, um, like some of the local networks, depending on who had had him picked up. And just to see the silliness and the absurdity of that show, that was reality television scripted. Fake, God, but I, that was re- that was reality television before reality television was a thing. Yeah, and I hated I hated it. I knew that the, the seeds were there and it's like, why do I hate this so much? And that's exactly why I hated it. And later afterwards, the thing that God was like, he apologized. It's like, yeah, I, I, I didn't know what I was creating. 
Yeah, his, <laughs> his his show and the absurdity of his show, but the the audience and the attraction for that show is what was able to just produce so many offshoots in different forms, fashions, different types of media. So he he was he was the gateway drug that we see for a lot of today's um, really let's call it foolishness right. in a lot of media. Oh. Uh, it's it it sounds silly, and, it, and if you didn't grow up with the Jerry Springer show, you don't know what we're talking about. But um, foolishness is yeah. that show. Yeah, absurdity. And if it wouldn't have been him, I'm sure it would have been somebody else. But still, you know. He, <laughs> It doesn't change my – I like him as a person, liked him as a person. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But, like he's he, – he's, uh, he doesn't really have a show personality, but what you think of that show isn't his personality. No, no, not at all. But did we miss anybody that, uh, that you think of, dear listener? You should definitely let us know. You know where we are. We haven't gone anyway, anywhere. We're still on Twitter. We're still on uh, Instagram. We're still on Facebook. And we're even still on Patreon. But you know the drill. Uh, Next week, like I said earlier, we'll be coming back with a review of Aquaman 2, uh, provided everything goes smoothly. (laughs) Well, provided it's still in the movie theater. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't seem to be doing so well. Weird. Uh, (laughs) As long as, as long as it lasts more than a week, we will we'll be good. Absolutely. Oh, and Happy New Year.